Welcome to Blind Love Radio. I'm your host, Anna Rosen. Enjoy these heartfelt conversations having to do with creativity, transformation, and the divine. Hello, everybody. Thank you so much for joining me for another episode of Blind Love Radio. I am so happy that you're here and tuning in. And today I have a really fun guest. I have Radem Bembao on the podcast. She is an amazing tarot reader, writer, former nurse, which we really go into how the healing professions can really overlap with um, the standard like medical care of nursing and doctors, and then also how tarot and these metaphysical ideas can be also just as healing, um, but in a different way, perhaps. And we had so much fun exploring the ideas about the similarities and the differences and how you can be a healer in each field and this very um, beautiful idea that she talks about of just going where you're needed, which I find so beautiful and going where you are called to be served, serving however um however is best for you and others and no task is too mundane to be of service which i just love um we talked a lot about court cards we have a little tangent about that i talk about lindsay max court card teachings in this episode I mentioned, and if you want more information on that, she has a ton of little mini-sodes on her Tarot for the Wild Soul podcast, so you can find that on the court cards. They're like labeled, I think like the knights and the pages and the kings and the queens, so if you want more info on that, that is a great resource, Tarot for the Wild Soul podcast. Find it there if you want more court guard references. But that was a fun little convo we had. We talked about spirituality, changing paths, what it's like when you're on one path but you're called to another path. Um, we talked about the ideas of tarot, how they, um, how they can show up, reading for other people, reading for yourself. I feel like we got into so much. This is such a great conversation. I'm so excited to release it. I have like a big smile on my face. I know you guys are going to love it. Um, Definitely to book a reading with her. uh, You can find her on Instagram. Reina Bambao. R-E-I-N-A-B-A-M-B-A-O. Definitely find her there. Connect with her. Um... You can find all of the other information on her little info page there, rainandbambao.com. You can book a reading. Um, Yeah, I'm just so excited to help spread her message and just a beautiful soul. So get ready, everybody. Enjoy. I love you guys. And kisses. See you on the other side.
Okay, so why don't you introduce yourself? Okay, so hi, my name is Reina. I'm a tarot reader from uh, Manila in the Philippines. I am uh, also a professional freelance content writer and book reviewer. I guess the interesting thing about my practice is that I actually graduated from nursing school and went to medical school. So um, I'm not, I, I didn't start out um, being a magical uh, kind of person. I started out very scientific and academic and I guess slowly, gradually, the line started to blur between the two and I was put on this journey wherein I left the medical field and I eventually got into tarot, but the things that I loved about being a nurse and a healer are exactly the same things that attract me to tarot now and to um, working with people using the tarot. Yeah, oh my so. god, that is so cool. So, me. <laughs> so how did you find tarot? Okay, so um, I have a friend who read for me when I was um, at a very confusing time in my life because I had previously left um, being a nurse in, like, in the ward, you know, in uh, working with patients, and I moved to the administrative side of the hospital. But I was very confused about what I was doing there. Uh, I was being asked to write for the hospital, but I, they also weren't listening to my opinions about how to actually produce things. So I went to my friend and said, I'm so confused. Um, and she offered to read for me. And she did a Celtic cross for me. And I absolutely just started crying at the end of it because I couldn't fathom how this deck of cards could understand <laughs> something that was so overwhelming to me that no matter how much I talked about it to another person, it didn't make sense. And then she just like pulled all these cards and put them in places and said, this is what's happening to you. And everything made so much sense. So that was, I think, in 2016. I got my own deck of cards about a year later because that's how long it took me to find a deck that I really, really connected with. And then started reading for myself and for close friends for a couple of years. And last year, pulling it, like uh, bringing it back full circle, I brought one of my new decks to this party for doctors. They had just taken this huge exam and um, a lot of them were nervous about whether they were going to pass or not. And I brought out the deck and started to read for people. And I guess I gave them a lot of comfort and they were so made. They had that same feeling of, oh my God, what right does this deck of cards have to understand about my soul and all my deepest fears and secrets? And it was amazing. And that was when I realized I could do this for strangers. I could do this for huge groups of people. And that's when I decided to open it up to the public, which is what I'm doing now. 
That is so cool. So what kind of like medicine were you studying? You were a nurse. Like was that like a general nurse or like what? I don't know. What types of people did you work with? Was it like everybody? Okay. So I was a critical care nurse. Um, So I worked in the ICU. You know, that's where um, patients who have really serious or um, critical illnesses um, that's where they get put and they need constant monitoring con- compared to like um, usual patients who just walk in and walk out or can you know they are, they're admitted but they can basically take care of themselves so I it was very intensive because you sometimes you'd have to see a patient every 15 minutes so you'd be popping in and out of their rooms and you do develop kind of a closeness with them, especially if they're there for a long time because you see them every day. And it's hard because some of them, you know that they're not going to get better, but you still you still have to like try to bring some light into their lives, even in a situation like that. It was one of the best times of my life, and I wish it didn't have to end, but I guess that's... It had to end to bring me here. You know what I mean? Totally. And I feel it's so amazing that that was so emotionally tense, intense. And then you like yeah. jumped into this other emotionally intense thing. <laughs> yeah. What, what I love most about nursing was um, being able to connect with people, you know. Um, it's hard when they're sick, but... It's also one of those things that makes it easier to connect with them because they're so vulnerable and they're in a place where they have to accept help and you're the person who is giving that help. So it's like you have this responsibility to um, advocate for them in the eyes of their family or in the eyes of the doctors and you're the one who has to Um, bring positivity into their life again so they'll be inspired to take control of their own health and what I loved about uh, connecting with people in that way was that though I could see that the words that I would say would make a difference in their health or in their attitude which is also the same when you're working with tarot, you know, they come to you for a reading, they ask you for counsel or advice, and the words you say and the way you phrase it is also what helps them to change their life and make informed choices and get them out of unhealthy situations and back to where they're supposed to be. Yeah, totally. I feel like I you read my mind because I was like, what <laughs> what similarities do you see between like the two services? Um, do you like see any other similarities or have you noticed? Yeah. Um, cause I went to, I actually went to a Catholic nursing school. So I live in the Philippines where the only quote unquote Catholic country left in Asia and they make a big deal of that. So Uh, Yeah, well, so I have some feelings about that we can talk about later. But yeah, so I went to a Catholic nursing school. And um, I will say what a lot about religion 
but the fact that I also came from a university that put religion into science kind of helped give it some heart. So um, our outlook on nursing was always like, you have to project outwards, you have to go where you're needed, you do, uh, you do the most humbling, menial tasks with dignity, um, and you quote unquote see God through your patients. So uh, it's a very that's very beautiful, right? It's a very yeah. sacred look. I on, love that. <laughs> it's a very sacred look on a very scientific profession, which I really ingrained during my time in school. And I would love to say that that's really the kind of mindset that you get when you attend my university. But yeah, so, and that was, um, that was very important to me after I left and I started working because not everyone who had that kind of mindset in school had it at work, you know, for a lot of people, nursing is just a job or it's a way to make money. So you kind of forget that the patient in front of you is a person and you don't see them holistically because in nursing you have this concept of like um, a holistic person and you have to treat them with dignity physically, psychologically, emotionally, socioculturally, all that stuff. And like that kind of thing sometimes gets lost when things get crazy in the hospital. But it was something that I clung to and I guess that made it harder for me because not everybody thought that way. And um, so there were like professional clashes with regard to that kind of mindset and my kind of mindset. But when I switched to tarot, I could bring that to the table and sort of do it on my own terms and not have to be questioned about why are you spending so much time on one person, you know, like, why are you spending so much time listening to their story or uh, being careful with their feelings? I find it ridiculous that people who do that in the hospital get picked on. Yeah, that's but, it's crazy that that's not the norm. Like, I yeah. have come into so many doctors where their bedside manner is just absent. Yeah. And it's like, and I get it that, like, they're seeing you as a body, but when you integrate that, like, the person is a person and, like, connecting, the connection that you're talking about, I find, is so often lost. And yes. it's it's not necessarily, like, a religious thing. It's just, um, I don't even know if it's, like, spiritual, but just, like, an acknowledgement of the humanity from one person to another. Yes, that's that's perfect. Yes, because okay. So some backstory. Um, healthcare. Okay, I'm get, I'm gonna get super passionate about this. Yes, let's do it, it. It's a continuing issue. Okay, so the problem with healthcare is that we ask so much about uh, we ask so much from our healthcare professionals to the point that we forget they're human too. You know, like. We ask them to study so much, which means they don't get to sleep. We ask them to work for eight hours, 10 hours straight. 
which means they don't get to eat, they don't get to go to the bathroom, they don't get enough sleep when they go home, and that kind of really affects your temperament and your patience, and then you, you know, you're hungry, you're sleepy, you're tired, your base needs are shot, and then we demand that they be this enlightened, kind, understanding being when we haven't even fulfilled their basic needs yet. And then we're asking so much of their higher self. Ah, so, you're so right. <laughs> right? Yes. So I, I feel terrible when, I mean, you know, I feel angry when I see a doctor or a nurse being a bitch in the hospital to a patient or to a coworker. But it's like, it's a whole culture that they're made to forget that they're human. So how else are they going to remember that other people are human too? You know, right? One more, they're not treated with the same respect. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And then, you know, your teachers will be like, "Oh, we did that. We experienced worse, so you have no right to complain." And then that kind of mentality gets passed on to the next generation of students and the next generation of healthcare workers, and it's just, it's just awful. Yeah, it's it's sad that, I mean, why do they do that? I guess because we're in shortage of doctors, maybe? Yeah. So then they have to yeah. work more because it's, like, better than nothing. Yeah, that's, that's a huge part of it, you know? I mean, if there were enough people to go around, I suppose we, did, we wouldn't need to ask one person to do the work of three, right? So, right. So this is a yeah. call to young children. If you're feeling like you want to be a doctor, <laughs> the world needs you. Yes, the world needs you. Yeah. We need more people in the industry mathematically to correct this problem. Yeah, definitely. And definitely, I'm sure you saw that as a nurse also. I mean, nurses yeah. are in really high demand. Yeah. And that, you know, that's actually a thing, you know, that nurses are in high demand in other countries, which is why... In my country, we're all encouraged to be nurses Uh so we can go to other countries and fill that need and, you know, basically make money, which is another reason why healthcare in, well, healthcare in, say, the States is awful as it is because of uh, the culture. But here we have the culture and the fact that there's a lot of pressure on you to take on a job that you may or may not love because you have to do it for your family or you have to do it to support yourself. So a lot of people get trapped into doing this job that's supposed to be very sacred and built in passion. And instead it just gets seen as like cash cow or something, which skews the profession even further. Yeah. When it's just a job and not a calling or something that you're doing like from your heart. Yeah, yes, exactly. So, yeah, no, go ahead. Oh, no, that's exactly what you expected when you signed up to talk to me today. So what do you, so how'd you get into writing? Like, have you always been a writer? Like, or was it just when you went to the administrative area that you, like, found this spark about writing? Ah, okay, well, that 
was something that I always wanted to do as a kid. Like, it was a thing I was known for while I was growing up. You know, she's the girl who's good at languages. She's the girl who can write. And like I said, if you live in this country, everyone is going to say, no, you should put that down and be a nurse so you can earn money. So I was one of those people who got told to do exactly that. Mm -hmm. So... Um, but that's not to say that I didn't want to be a nurse. I was just never one of those kids who had to be forced to do it because I really did love it. And I suppose I was good at it for me to be able to last that long in that field. But, um, I really, really was supposed to be a writer, I guess. And even if I put that on hold for a bit, it just always comes back in a, in ways like I went to nursing school and I was in the the school paper. I went to medical school and I was also in the school paper. Like it, I would try to make my life go one way, but the universe would keep pulling me towards another until I eventually had to leave. The healthcare profession and during this lull where I was like trying to figure out if I should try again or if I should do something new I said okay I'm gonna take a break and I'm going to try freelance writing on the side while I figure things out and like a week after I made that decision you know I'm googling how to build your portfolio where to get writing clients if you're a beginner etc I came across this course that was basically uh, how to make writing a career and I took it and I just never looked back. Oh, I love that. <laughs> I love a hard pivot. It's so scary when you're doing it. Oh my God. I swear, I swear to God. And it's one of those things that my family finds difficult to accept because they had this vision of me in their head of being a nurse and going abroad and then you know one day you go to them and say I'm not going abroad I'm never going to be a nurse again I'm going to drop it all and be a starving artist be a starving writer you're just so what yeah <laughs> and so how long how much experience did you have like total like with medical school and like all like the practicing nursing like how how many years was all of that okay so um i was in nursing school for four years and then i went to med school for one and then after that i was a critical care nurse for six months because that's how long our contracts last uh-huh. and after that was the administration gig for about i think that was eight or ten months and after that, I was a call center agent for a bit. And that's that's sort of the transition period of what am I going to do now? And then I went into writing in like 2017. And I never, never, never looked back up to now. So I'm still doing that now. Uh, aside from uh, the tarot thing is new. The tarot thing is just last year. I feel like I sincerely believe like we go through everything like we're meant to go through it. And I think it's like so cool that you have all of this knowledge behind you and it's like taking you this tarot and writing route. And I feel like 
everything you're going to write now is going to have like so much like ability to see logic and science in tandem with like magic and intuition and spirituality and it like makes everything so much more like richer and layered and it's like you're able to bring these different perspectives together I feel like it's gonna make for such good writing I hope so oh my god well since you brought that up one of my favorite things to say to people is that you know we we're scared of magic now or we say oh it's not true but the thing is like Centuries ago, what we know now to be science and truth and facts was basically magic to the people who came before us, you know, like medicine and physics and astronomy. They were people who practiced that stuff in like the medieval times were called witches. (laughs) It's so true. It just can't be explained yet. Right? Yes. So, and, and like now, like centuries and centuries later, those things that they said about the earth revolving around the sun and how like if you remove a certain part of your body, it will remove the sickness from your body. Like those things would get you killed before, but now they're what we accept to be true. And then when you say now that, oh, I'm sick, I'm taking herbs with my food and I'm sniffing essential oils now they'll look at you like you're you're this hippie crazy person and I'm like they're the same thing (laughs) yeah (laughs) we've just switched it around right we I feel like that's the thing that people are gonna do throughout the years they're they're just going to say one side is this and one side is that but they're not they they will find it hard to reconcile that it's one and the same Yes, that's so true. So what do you like to write? Are you into like nonfiction, fiction, creative? Okay. Um, well, I what I love to write about is, well, you know, tarot. I would love to, I love to write about tarot. I still love to write about health and science and medicine and that stuff. I also write book reviews. Um. But I can also do um, nonfiction and straight up serious stuff. So one of my current jobs right now is writing about insurance, which is super hard and it's not the most fun, but it's, you know, it's fun to learn about it. And I guess something that I picked up from nursing is that you have to take this this highfalutin, complicated concept of like, a disease and explain it in the simplest most understandable terms to a person who has literally no medical background so that's kind of how I write too like <laughs> I, I, that. I take insurance and try my best to water it down and explain it to the lay person uh-huh. and yeah and it's the same with tarot you know like this is your card and, you know, there are a lot of, like, concepts connected to a certain card. And I'm like, this is the story of the card. This is the story of you today. So I think, in simplest terms, this card is trying to tell you X and that you must do Y. So it's it's lucky, I guess, that I have so much experience in writing and communication and stuff. So, like, the words make 
so much difference in helping someone understand a really difficult or foreign topic like insurance or magic so they walk away from the conversation or from reading an article with at least some new knowledge to inform their next decision. So how do you like pitch tarot to somebody who's never heard it? Mm, Okay, so I try to say that Tarot is basically uh, just a mirror of what's going on inside you. Um, We pull the cards and whatever is in the card is sort of a reflection of what's going on within you at the moment. And that's what you need to hear. And it depends on the kind of spread that that we choose for your situation. And... When we pull the cards and put them in the positions of the spread, it sort of breaks an overwhelming situation down into bite-sized pieces that you can hopefully digest more and understand so that you will be informed in making the decision about what happens next. I love that. And that really puts it into like you're just gaining information to then make your own decision. Yeah, because... Uh, I get a lot of questions about whether tarot is about predicting who you're going to marry or will I get rich or will I get so-and-so. And I always have to tell them that it's not so much about that. It's so much about, it's more about what happened to you before, what's going on with you now, what's your mindset now, because that's what's going to predict the decision that you're going to make about your future. So if you like what the card says is going to happen to you, then you have to keep making decisions to make that future happen. And if you don't, then you have to start making different decisions now. What is What card do you feel like you relate to the most? Mm. Oh my God. <laughs> um. It's hard to pick one. <laughs> Yeah, so um, one of my favorites is the Seven of Wands. Oh my god, really? I find that the most confusing card. Please tell me more. I don't know, like Seven of Wands, I'm just like, what's happening? Like, are you being defensive or are you like just defending yourself? Is it boundaries? Are you being, um... I don't know. I just don't get it. I don't get it yet. You know what it's like when some cards like click? Uh-huh. And I it just hasn't clicked for me. Like every time it comes up in somebody's reading, I'm like, I don't know. I just don't. It eludes me. That That's how I feel about most of the court cards. Really? But court cards? Yeah. I'm like, they're my homies. Oh my God. Okay, let's do that next. But let me just explain what the Seven of Wands means to me. Um, so I love it because it's like there is this guy on a hill and he's holding a staff. And there are six people below him also holding staffs. And it sort of looks like that guy is being outnumbered and he's going to lose. But he's actually on the higher ground which means that he has advantage in the situation. So it's, for me, it resonates because I have been in a lot of 
um, situations where I feel like it's me versus a bunch of other people, or it's my opinion, which is not very popular versus um, like the opinion of most of the people around me. It's something that I experience in families, something that I experience now because of my job, it's something that I experienced in nursing before because I thought I did treat nursing like it was a sacred calling and people were just like, no, just do your job and do it fast. So I had a lot of, I had a lot of, um, I guess, references to uh, sort of like feel or pull that feeling of the, of the seven wands from. So what I say about it is that it's, it looks like you're outnumbered and you're going to lose, but because you're on higher ground, you actually have the advantage and it's you who's going to triumph in the end. If you just hold firm and don't give ground and, um, what else do I say? Um, also that because you're on higher ground, your vantage point or your perspective is different from the people on the perspective of the people below you. Ooh, so if you're, that's so good. <laughs> right. Uh, so if you're like, if you believe in something, it's because you can see the bigger picture because you're standing on something higher. And those people, it's not that they're necessarily wrong, but they're sort of irrelevant to your decision making at this point because they haven't quite reached the height to which you are now for them to see what you're seeing. So Ooh, I love that. Yeah. So that's why I love it. And I do recognize that some people find it difficult to relate to because um, it can be hard to be that one person versus six. So it's very tempting to just agree with the rest of the six. But my hope is that if I explain it to them, they'll be able to hold firm to whatever they believe in and find out in the end that, you know, they're right in their own way. I feel like that can come across as like a big people pleasing card mm-hmm. where it's yeah. like really not owning your authenticity and just going along because it's easier, even though it's not the right thing to do. Yeah. So, you know, when I, when I get that card, I always tell people, um, you have an opinion you believe in it, you're standing firm on something, you wouldn't think that if you didn't absolutely believe in the thing you were standing on. So stay there and push it. Ooh, I love that. Okay, so what court card do you feel like you resonate with? Hmm. I think it's probably a toss-up between the Queen of Cups and the Queen of Wands. Queens are the easiest for me to relate to. I'm not so good with knights and kings. So um, I sort of gravitate towards those two because I find them easy to explain because I feel like either one of the two women most of the time. I love the Queen of Cups because she's very motherly. You know, she's the kind of person who always knows what to say. And um, you don't even have to say what you need she already knows what to give you. I guess that's kind of another thing that I bring to the table because of nursing, because you're always taught to like 
project outwards and look at what sort of anticipate what your patient needs or what the person in front of you needs. So like you can give it to them before they even realize that they need it. But the pitfall there is that they can be a little codependent. Queen of the Queens, the Queen of Cups can be a little codependent because if they're not looking after somebody, they sort of go a little nuts. I think that water like ends up like overwhelming the body almost when it's not <laughs> shared. Because it's yeah. like you have like a whole ocean of water and it's like if you're keeping it all to yourself, it can I think it just gets like that feeling of like bottled up resources. Yeah. yeah. Which can be like good and bad if you're getting you know, yeah, if you like have to help people all the time. <laughs> it's amazing to be able to help, you know, like the the sea. If we're gonna go with the whole water metaphor, it's like the ocean is this massive resource that will give you a lot of the things that you need to survive, but it's also kind of a lot to handle if yes. you're not ready to receive all that love and blessing you're you're screwed (laughs) Uh uh-huh yeah so it's like being open to you receiving as well as giving which came which circles back to the whole thing about like doctors and everybody in the medical profession with like not being able to even like tend to their own human needs right because they're so busy giving to other people that they forget that the water has to flow back to themselves and nourish them too. Yes. I totally thought of Queen of Cups while you were talking. Oh my God. Yeah. You're like so Queen of Cups. I love it. (laughs) Oh my God. You're so sweet. And I just feel like so nurturing. (laughs) I love the, I love the perspective. You bring such like a cool perspective. I love your thoughts about the seven of wands. Okay, so now you got to talk about the queen of wands you were thinking. Right, so thank you. Thank you for saying that, by the way. Oh my God, my Um, pleasure. Okay, so the queen of wands, I, I love her on like a personal level because she's very driven. She knows what she wants and she's not afraid to push herself or to push other people to get it. And she will push in a way that's like she's either going to encourage you or she's going to charm you. Sometimes she's going to flirt with you just to sort of get what she wants, which is also what you end up wanting in the end. And it's a very delicate balance being driven and influential to outright just being pushy and sort of destructive. So I love the control that you learn when you channel this energy because I guess that's something that takes years and years to master and when you finally realize that you've got a handle on it it's just like wow okay I've grown so much totally yes I thought instantly about my mom my mom is like (laughs) this super fiery Sagittarius Oh and we, we all joke she could run a small country. And mm-hmm. while you were talking about that, my instant thought was like, oh, you don't want to become too bossy about other people. Right? And it was always like balancing like, yes, she's so driven, but like allowing that to like soften with the water. 
And I've totally seen that happen within her. And it's like this huge transformation, which then you're just like even more powerful because you're so, it's like you're allowing things to flow and you really, it's like you're not forcing. It's like you're using that fiery magic where like the river takes you. Like it's like exactly where you're meant to be giving your gifts. Yeah, it's kind of like, when you know when you light a bonfire and it's like at first it's huge and hot and it sends sparks up into the air but after a while it's just this sort of steady glow that's really comforting and warm yeah so when you get to that phase it's like okay i'm cool this is this is amazing that's such a good analogy so So, mm -hmm, go ahead No. No, I was, I was going to ask about your perspective on the court cards because you said they were they were your homies. And yes, like, I, I love the court cards. Um, let's see. I feel like I love how they're double elemented. So you have I learned all of this from Lindsay Mack, and it's so you have the pages are earth. And then I'm gonna take this down. Yeah, write it down or listen back later. So pages are earth, and then you have your queens, which are water, and then the knights are air, and the kings are fire. So you kind of have those broad elements across the board. And then you also have what suit they're in, bringing kind of like the other flavor to it. Um, So that really helped me like break down what influences they were having. Um, But I feel like whenever they come up for me, I feel like they're bringing some kind of message or it feels like I'm reflecting their energy. Like I'm being asked to like step into their shoes, which feels really cool. Yeah, like I get them a lot when I'm like asking for guidance in a situation. Um, And I feel like sometimes a specific project will take on a certain flavor of one of them. Um, like the King of Wands, I feel like I've gotten him when I've been really excited about this, like, really creative project, and also I got him in a really cool way once where he came up as, like, my card of the day that morning, and we ended up buying a a fire pit that day. I know, and it was, like, extremely literal. Um, but then other times I've gotten, like, the um, the Page of Wands, which or not the Page of Wands, the Page of Cups. And I feel like that's a very, like, intuitive, like, you're speaking to animals. It's, like, that little fish that's popping out. It's, like, kind of weird, but, like, grounded in the childlike nature of things. Um, and that's, that's shown up and it was like encouraging me to be more intuitive, but bringing it into like extremely 
like physical, practical ways. Um, so I feel like sometimes they can be like a little more abstract, but that might just be like asking you to like broaden your perspective about something. I feel like it's always like trying to like enhance whatever quality you're either like on the right track with or you're like missing. Um, that could be like used to benefit you somehow. But also like I feel like they're amazing when you start looking at them in like different archetypes and people around you and celebrities and pop culture. Um, the knights. What? Book characters. Yes, book characters. Totally. Oh my god. Do you have any thoughts about certain characters? Uh, the first thing that comes to mind is Daenerys Targaryen as the Queen of Wands. Ooh, yes. <laughs> totally. With the fire and the yes. water, too. Like, the motherly caring. Yes. You know, she's the mother of dragons and such. Yeah, that's perfect. Wow, I love that. I Oh, you know who else I think of? Harriet the Spy as, like, a page of wands. I don't know why that, like, came to mind, but... <laughs> okay, I'm gonna take that down. Okay. That's kind of fun. Like, kind of, like, detect, like detective, like, investigating, like, your passions. Yeah, yeah. Seems kind of fun. And I love, like, getting knights. I feel like knights are these messengers. So Lindsay Mack tells us it's how they move. In like, we're being asked to move in the way that they're moving. Yeah. Um, and I love Knight of Pentacles. Um, it's cardinal earth. It's, like, air and earth. And it's, like, this starting... Um, it just reminds me of like Capricorn and it's like you are exactly where you're meant to be. I get that so much when it's like I feel like I should be much farther ahead than where I am and it's like I should be like you know down the line and you know I have all of these ideas of what it means to be successful and where I should be but I feel like when I get that, it's like a reminder, like, I am exactly where I'm meant to be, like, just trusting that this is exactly the work I need to do. It reminds me of when you said, like, look for the most mundane task and see, see God in that task, like, know that you're doing it for this person that's like, the whole situation is holy, even when um, it's very remedial. It reminds me of like, I feel like Ram Dass talks about that, like just feeding people as an act of love. Um, yeah, so I feel like I went on a tangent, but... <laughs> it's fine, it's fine. Um, yeah, and like the kings are really fun. I feel like the kings... I feel like the kings show us like how to have confidence in ourselves and when we do that, we're able to inspire others to do the same. And I Ooh, think I it's like, that. yeah, like creating a bigger change just by like changing, not changing yourself, but really stripping down what you're not and really standing in who you really are. 
I feel like they all have things in common with that. And like you're doing that through whatever element the suit is. It feels like, I don't know. Does it? Yeah. That's kind of, um, I think what I've been finding with them. Um, yeah. What else? What about like the major arcana? Do you have any like favorites with that? Favorite cards or archetypes? Although, can I just say one yeah. thing about sure. the court cards? I love how you said that when they come up, you're being asked to step into their shoes and sort of embody the energy that the card is inviting right now. Because I read, I read textbooks on tarot uh-huh. and stuff, and they say that when the, uh, when this card comes up, you'll probably meet someone who embodies that energy in your life, and I guess that. That sort of misses me a bit because it's like when you tell me what you're going through, you're not really telling me about all the people around you unless they're relevant, right? So like if I draw, say, the Knight of Pentacles, I can't specifically say that, oh, there's to be this very like male, because knights are sort of male, like male energy. There's going to be this guy in your life who's like this, like that. So I feel uncomfortable saying that. Mm-hmm. But it makes more sense now when you say that when card the court cards come up, you're the one who's being asked to embody that energy. I think so. Or like you already even are. And you might be like avoiding it. I find sometimes I'm like avoiding a certain energy or oh. yeah. like. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, or even when it's really hard. Like, I don't know. Like, I started wearing overalls, and, like, I'm obsessed with them, and they're so fun, but they're, like, not in right now. You know what I mean? But, like, I feel like I think I got, like, the King of Pentacles one day that I wore them, and I got, like, so many compliments on my overalls, and other people were like, oh my god, you just look, like, so authentic, I'm gonna wear blah blah blah, because, like, I see you doing it, and, like, I feel confident that I can wear, um, you know, what makes me feel good, and then it's like, you're not inspiring other people to wear overalls. You're just inspiring other people that they can be themselves too. Like when you fully embrace it. That's so that's so cool though. I know. It was really that was a fun little um tidbit that I got from that. And it was so unexpected too cuz you would you don't really think of like I don't know, the clothes that you wear, but clothes that's very narrow, yeah. But it's like such an earthly thing, like how we dress, how we present ourselves, how we relate to other people. Um, true. Yeah. I'm also going to take that down. <laughs> <laughs> I, yeah, I think that can, I did like this Lenormand spread the other day. And I was like, what trauma do I have to heal? Or like, you know, like when you start asking questions and then these other questions build on it and then you're in like this spiral of asking questions and you keep getting like, like further, you keep getting like closer and closer to like 
what's actually going on because your questions keeps getting better and better like yes like each like ring you go down in the spiral um and it was like you need to look at how you're dressing because you you are using it as a mask to avoid really connecting with people because it, it was like it was like you should dress more feminine or something. Uh-huh. And I was like, dress more feminine. Like, how is that related to my trauma? <laughs> like yeah. some, something I asked. And it was like, well, you're using it to like avoid like connection with people because then it's like, you know, a more masculine if it felt it feels a little safer. Um and like little things like that, which I would never think of to even investigate is so beautiful when it's like brought out in um in this in this form I just think it's so amazing there wasn't really like a moral to that story but yeah no I I see I see the point you know like first of all clothes you know they they do affect how you present ourselves to the world and also how the world will react to us so it's like if you don't want the world to react to you in a certain way, then you'll dress a certain way to avoid that. Like, okay, this is just me. I used to dress in all these like revealing sexy clothes when I was younger. And then I got older and I went through a bit of like harassment at work with a couple of places that I worked at. And after that, I started dressing really frumpy or like in sleeve stuff and I didn't know that that's what I was doing I Mm -hmm. said oh I I just want to dress more grown up or professional or whatever but then I looked more closely at it and it was like I'm dressing this way because I don't want to attract male attention anymore so it was kind of like a stifling of my expression because I didn't want to attract attention but so, yeah, so I totally get what you mean. But for me, I got to that conclusion on my own. But I guess for you, you needed to ask the cards more about it for you to understand that that's what's going on. It's like one of those things that you never think would happen. But yes, that's it. I love that example you gave. Um, so have you ever like what's something that or can you think of a specific time that you were using the cards and it brought up something like that? That was like, you had completely like not seen it and then it totally changed your perspective on something? Hmm. I'm not sure if that's ever happened. I suppose it's, it's happened. I just can't think of anything immediately. Or, like, maybe, like, what's the most, like, impactful? Can you think of, like, a very impactful reading, maybe besides, like, the first one that you had? Mm-hmm. Oh. Um, okay, I got a reading in, like, February, I think, of this year, uh, asking about my career and... Um, it was very pentacle reading, so I was asking about career, I was asking about money, and my tarot reader, she was like, 
you know what, you're on the right track, but there's all this stuff in the background that you're not paying attention to that is actually affecting the situation. Like she, she brought up again the fact that it came from like a nursing background. And she said something about unlived lives. Was that the term that she used? It was like, you're, she was saying that you are still putting some of your energy into this life that you think you were supposed to lead, which is why you're not putting all your energy into this life that you're currently living. So it was like, there was still a part of me that was stuck in the old mindset. Like, I guess I was still holding on to the idea that, okay, if this doesn't work out, I'll have to go back to that. I'll have to do this again. I have to go back to the thing that my family wants for me. Instead of putting all that energy into tarot and healing other people through tarot and writing, and it was just one of those things that I never would have thought about if she hadn't pointed it out, you know? Totally. And when she, and when she said that, I was like, yeah, that, that's true. And so I said about trying not to live this what if in my head anymore and to just sort of tell myself, no, this is your reality here and now and this is what you want to be your future so focus on that reality that's here and now does that make sense yes and it totally has a way of like bringing us into the present Mm -hmm. which i love like way more than like people saying that it's a tool to tell the future it's like giving you such practical steps about how you can just bring your mind into the moment Yes. And like deal with what's going on. Because I feel like so many times like healing is just not avoiding things. Oh my God, that's so true. You know, because it's like, I feel like that's when we get sick is when we're avoiding (laughs) things. Like we're (laughs) avoiding what we're eating. We're avoiding, um, you know, whatever, like, if we have any bad habits, if we're avoiding really being present in the moment, it's like we get stuck in the past, and then things, like, get, like, compacted, and then I think that's why, like, healing takes so much time, is because you have to, like, unpack everything, you know, it, like, takes just as long to heal as it did for the illness to build. That. You know what? That's actually so true. Now that you phrase it that way, because like going back to what you said about healing is just facing the things that we're avoiding. Like it can be, sometimes I say, you know, the tarot is only going to work if you're honest with yourself. So even if I talk to you for like an hour and a half about your issues, but if you're not going to admit to yourself that that's what's going on and that you need help, then you're nothing's going to happen to you and we'll be back here in six months with the same problem so it's it's kind of the same you know like if you're going to avoid the issue that's plaguing you it's not going to go away and with health it's like if you're going to ignore the fact that smoking is terrible for your body that you need to exercise every day that you need to get sleep you need to eat right if you're going to avoid all these 
truths, then you are going to get sick. And healing is about paying attention to that and accepting that, okay, I've been living my life wrong for the past few years. I have to make concrete steps to amend that. And it's just, it's just true on both like a spiritual and a physical level. Yeah, and they're all like one, like you said, right? So it's like you can't avoid one (laughs) (laughs) and be okay in the other. It just doesn't work. So many times I feel like you have like, I get like a mental, like emotional tangent problem. Like I'm feeling like super anxious for a period of time. And I'll notice, like, the health of my body will not be as great. Like, I'm more sluggish, and I don't don't feel as great. Yeah, it's like they go in tandem. And then when you have, like, a physical cold, it's like you don't have the patience for other people. It's like you're emotionally feeling like shit. Like, they just go, yeah, it's all connected. Yes, that's that's the concept of seeing a person holistically that we're taught in school, you know, it's exactly that, you know, if you're in pain, people can't expect you to be at your most polite or like, uh, because you're sick, you're not, your faith isn't as strong, such and such. And then you have to respect all these aspects and try to balance them as a healer. Yes. Yeah. So do you use tarot in your writing, like, to help you write sometimes? I want to because I find it hard to write creative stories of my own because my mind is so logical. So it's not – it doesn't really lend itself well to telling, like, making up a plot or characters or whatever. So do you feel like you read tarot very logically? I guess so, yeah. Because my process is like, mm, you know, like I said, each card has a story. And you pay attention to how that narrative is narrative. So for me, it's very important that you have a foundation in the original Rider Waite images because of the original Rider Waite story that the images tell. And I know like a lot of my friends are like, intuitive readings, you don't need to memorize all the stuff to be a tarot reader. And I'm like, that's great. And if it works for you, that's amazing. But I will still be that obsessive person (laughs) who has to who has to know something on an academic level before I can even think of playing around with my intuition. Does that make sense? Yeah, totally. I mean, it makes sense to like any like skill set where you're learning the foundation because the devil's in the details. Like, you know, like really paying attention to all those little breadcrumbs and then... And being able to, like, stitch them together is such a cool thing. I mean, I feel like that's, like, really, like, really getting all the juice out of the orange. Like, if we just skim the surface and look at it in one perspective, 
that's great, but it's like there's all these other, it's like you're ignoring all of the wisdom that's come before you, it feels Uh like. Because, I mean, the person, you know, Pamela Coleman Smith, who made all of these cards, or, you know, well, she didn't make it on her own, but just this collective energy of, like, the wisdom of what's come before us. It's, you know, it's like, there's a reason why you go to medical school and you learn all of that, you know, (laughs) foundational knowledge. Yeah, I I, what it, what was that I was saying to people? It's like the tarot has been around for centuries and the images have remained the same. And there's a reason for that. And it's because it's those original images that work. That's, you know, it wouldn't have survived this long this way if it wasn't the system that worked. So like, I'm not saying that you shouldn't, play with it or that you shouldn't try to look for meanings between the lines and especially in like abstract decks or modern decks but I think it is very important to have a fundamental knowledge of the basics of tarot so I would always attack tarot academically and logically especially if I'm talking to a beginner although I know that that's not what most people would say (laughs) What's your favorite suit? My favorite suit is wands, but I acknowledge that I am very much a sword kind of person. (laughs) Yeah, that's what I would have guessed. (laughs) Well, it's like you are drawn to the thing that's opposite, almost. Yeah, I guess, you know, because it's like wands are very impulsive and um, they're very free form because fire doesn't take a form. But in my head, I'm like, I have to make lists. I have to make timetables. I have to make, like, this is my idea. This is the process. This is the evaluation. Well, it's almost like structuring the fire. I guess so, yeah. Yeah. If you can structure fire, though. Yeah, that's true. (laughs) Very true. I think in some... Some people do wands and swords opposite. What do you mean? Like, wands would be, like, air, and then... Oh, and then swords are fire? Yes. That's strange, but how does that work? Because, like, swords, like, you have to, like, put a sword into the fire, and, like kind of make it that way like you're um like forge it yeah and you're like constantly refining it um and then what would the the wands with the air would be or the fire with the air um it's like it gives life to the fire and it's like you can't Uh have a fire without air and the uh, more air you put in, like, fuels the fire. Um, yeah, I know, like, I th- it's, like, not as common, but I know it definitely is some people's way of thinking. I guess to, you know, I guess to each tarot reader their own. But... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, You're like, logically, that doesn't make any sense. It doesn't make sense to me, but 
description but there's like it's along those lines you no, get it it just makes sense because like swords is also about like conflict and fire is you know just if you don't handle it very well then it can burn someone the way that a sword can cut oh yeah so, yes, i guess it makes sense totally um what are some of your favorite books since you said you're a book reviewer, I mean, summer yeah. reading is upon us. Does it have to have anything to do with magic, or is that just in general? No, it can be like anything. Anything you're into. Okay, so, and this is going to sound very swordsy of me. One of my favorite books is The Art of War. Ooh. <laughs> because it's about, it's about making lists. It's about making plans. And, well, okay, so my parents are both soldiers. Well, they're retired now, but they were both soldiers. So it's like one of those things that ends up being required reading for you as a kid. And that's, it, it, help, it helps me plan things, I guess, which is consistent with being a sword head. It's all about, and it's, it's sort of the same as the way you're taught to think as a nurse, too. It's kind of like identifying the problem. It's the same as first know your enemy or something like that. And it's about once you know your enemy, then you know how to tackle the problem. Then you know how to draw the plan. And then I'm not making a lot of sense. But yeah, it's, it's all about knowing the problem or knowing uh, what you're facing so you can take the concrete steps needed to defeat it or to overcome it. I mean, that's so in line with tarot, though, because I feel like all the juice is in the question. So uh-huh. if you have a shitty question, you're going to get, like, an ambiguous answer. That's but, so true. Yeah. But when you really, like, define it and, you know, refine the question down to really hit the target... It's like then all of these insights are opened that were like crammed into this little place that you weren't willing to look at first. That's true. Like, you know, if you ask like a very close-ended, you get like a weird answer. But Mm -hmm. if you're more like, okay, how can I make this happen? Or why is this happening to me? Then the tarot has a lot more room to tell you the story of what's going on with you yes on my website i say something like military strategists will tell you that you must first know your enemy but philosophers will say that your first enemy is yourself so the uh the way to use tarot is like a tool to know yourself better so you can understand your own process and your own needs so you can bring about your victory. Yes, and I feel like a process, it's that idea of like discipline equals freedom, but like a process equals freedom. Like That's true. You know, it's like when we yeah. create structure, we're able to thrive because it's like, 
these things that were taking up so much energy are now being like processed and sorted through and like we give it structure for the fire to burn so then it's not just like wild it's like um have you read uh what by bakara wintner what is it um is this black book and it's called what WTF is tarot or what the fuck is tarot? Oh, I think I've seen it, but I haven't read it. Oh my god, it's it's just amazing. You should totally read it if you have the time. Um, we can talk more about, about it like off the podcast. But basically, the relevance of that here is there is this bit on the emperor and the empress where it's like, the Empress is, you know, it's like free-flowing creativity. Um, it's about bringing things that weren't there into existence. It's about abundance, etc. And the Emperor is sort of this misunderstood, boring stick-in-the-mud card sometimes compared to his wife. Because he's about structure. He's about authority. He's about um, discipline and stuff like that. But it... In fact, you need those two together or or else like nothing will become of you because like yes. even if you're super creative, but you don't have that structure, that discipline that the emperor provides, then you're not really going to create anything because you're always just stuck daydreaming about what to do instead of actually doing it and bringing it about. So true. Right? And you know what's funny is that today I pulled two cards and it was the emperor and the other one was logic from my oracle deck and i was like this is so perfect for today's conversation um yeah but i guess that's not what you expected (laughs) (laughs) um it reminds me i listened to some interview with jack white from the white stripes And he was talking about how when he has less creative tools at his disposal, he's more creative. And I noticed I had the same thing. Like when I have like all of these different mediums, it becomes too much. But when I just have like a pen and paper, I'm able to create this amazing thing. And it's like so many times we think like more is more. But I feel like when we have, like, just, like, a little pathway, this big thing is able to, like, come through it because it has, like, the structure, like you were saying, to manifest. Like, you know, when you have your whole life ahead of you and you're like, oh, I want to make a series of paintings or I want to write a poetry book or something, and then you end up not finishing anything for, like, a year. But if you're, like, at work and they're like, Oh, I need a piece from you in like two days. The piece, the piece will exist in two days because you have that structure of something as simple as a deadline. Yes. Right. And I feel like that's where he gets like his bad rap too, because nobody likes deadlines. But it. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, maybe some people do, but like that stress like perpetuates. Um like this thing that you're creating it like stresses it out of you that's true or you know i guess you just have to change your perspective 
on the deadline. It's not like, it's not there to stress you. It's there so you know what to do in a day. Does that make sense? Like, if the deadline is in a week, then you know that, okay, on this day I'll make my outline, on this day I'll make my draft, and on this day I'll revise, compared to, you know, someone saying, oh, hand it in whenever, and it never happens. Yes. you think you have forever to put. And the key part of that is actually, like, dividing your time and organizing it so that you can be successful. I feel like so many people also just procrastinate. And then it's like, oh, my God, it's due tomorrow. And then that's when it becomes really stressful instead of, like, you know, early on, like, dividing up your time. Yeah. You know, it's – you – I guess it's hard to have – a relationship with the emperor if you avoid him or if you fear him you know kind of like um if you have a very strict dad or something because that's the energy of the emperor he's this like strict man who says do this do that but if you sort of respect that someone who knows what he's doing and he can guide you to be better it's not that hard to I wouldn't say obey yeah but like thrive under under the guidance or you grow up oh. hi hello hello you're back <laughs> I lost you I'm so sorry oh it's totally fine we can edit that out <laughs> okay I don't know what what was the last thing I said um, you were talking about not obeying the emperor, but uh, perhaps like growing through him. Yes, yes, it's exactly the right word, you know, because the more that you resist the structure, you're not going to be productive because because mm, it's there to like, show you what's what you're allowed to do in this space and if you keep sort of pushing up against that limit instead of recognizing the potential that you have in this space oh yeah i love that idea of like recognizing your potential i mean it's not easy to submit to authority it's not easy to submit to like a structure but it's structure or you respect the person. Oh no, did I lose you again? You may have cut out a little bit. Just repeat oh. that last thing you said. Sorry. Because if you respect the person, or if you respect the process, then it's easier to submit to it and allow it to change you and allow it to help you grow. And when you do hard things, you end up growing through it, even though if you yeah. like hate it in the moment. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) You come out a different person on the other side, for sure. I feel like that's the whole thing with, like, the Marie Kondo um, phenomena. Did I lose you again? Hello. Hello. What's going on? I don't know. It's... It's Mercury retrograde problems. <laughs> There's literally like two days of it left. Can it please just stop? I know. <laughs> <laughs> so 
So do you have any like last like tidbits you want to talk about? This might be a good place to wrap it up since we're struggling. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. Hello. (laughs) Hello. I can hear you now. Okay. I lost you. I lost you. What was the last thing you said? I said, is there any like last little tidbits you have before maybe we should wrap it up since we're struggling with the connection? Yeah. And I think we've been talking for like an hour and a half. Yeah. It's a pretty lengthy one. Yeah. Okay, so let me see. What else do I have to say? Um, I guess the last thing that I want to leave behind is basically just there is this concept of going where you're needed, which is something that one of my college professors passed on to us. And it's like what I keep trying to tell people through tarot now um, is that I came from this one place, which is very scientific and very, you could say, everyday and ordinary, but I also knew deep down that to be forever, so I went on this completely different direction where it's about about magic, it's about um, your intuition, it's about things that we don't understand, it's about things that may or may not be true, but that's where I feel that I need it so strongly. So I guess what I try to help people on uh, is their own journey of finding where it is that they're needed, even if it's not what they expected. And I would always try to tell people that It's something that you have to decide for yourself, and it's not something that anyone else can decide for you. So just like the tarot is not going to work if you're not being honest with yourself, life is also not going to work (laughs) for you if you're not being honest with yourself. You know, you don't have to be a tarot reader to listen to what the universe is telling you basically so that's so beautiful i just try to get them to hear that voice that i hear so strongly and it doesn't matter whether you're magic or you're not you're in the healthcare profession you're in a scientific profession or not it's always the the wisdom of the universe is always open to you if you're honest enough with yourself to accept it. Ooh, I love that. I feel like I'm going to name this podcast Go Where You're Needed. It's so oh, beautiful. It. Yes. Can you tell everyone, tell everyone where they can find you, what your Instagram is, and where they um, can book a reading with you? Oh, okay, great. So um, I am on Instagram. It's Instagram.com slash Raina Bumbao. That's B-A-M. B-A-O. And uh, I also have a website that's RainaBumbao.com where you can book me for tarot readings. You can read about um, like my FAQs on tarot. And you can also book me for my writing services there and read the work I do there. My blog is also there. I do deck reviews. 
Um, yeah, so that those are the basically the two places that I'm mostly on. And I do accept uh, email and in real life readings if you're from the Philippines. So come say hey, drop in my inbox anytime. Yay! And one more question. You said yes. you spent like a whole year finding like your deck. What deck is that? Oh, okay. That is the Star Child Tarot deck. Ooh, okay. I'm going to look into it. I love it. Yeah. It's funny because I keep saying that you need to have a good foundation in RWS, et cetera, et cetera. But that deck was not a Rider Waite Smith deck. It's just very pretty. It's pink and purple and teal. And it, the images just spoke to me. And I knew that if I could only buy one deck in the world for my entire life, which is not a concept that exists now that I know how tarot works. And now that I have like nearly 10 decks. But if that was the only deck that I could buy forever, that was it for me. So it was kind of this, I had to, I listened to my intuition and then I went and bought a textbook and that's where all the logic came in. I so, love that. It's a perfect balance. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> Thank you so much, yeah. Raina. It was so amazing talking with you and hearing your story and talking about the cards. And it was so lovely. Thank you so much, Anna, for inviting me on your podcast where, you know, I listen to how you talk to a lot of people that I also admire and respect. And I love listening to your podcast and learning from these people and from your experiences. And I can't believe that I'm going to be on it with them. Oh, it's my <laughs> pleasure. It's sincerely my pleasure. Thank you so, yeah, so much. Thank you so much. And yeah, and I do hope to get to speak with you some more. Definitely. About the tarot anytime. Absolutely. Thank you so much. Have a great rest of your day or night. You're, it's night there, right? Yes, it's like 11 p.m. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, have an amazing night. Thank you so you much. Have a beautiful day. Thank you so much, and thank you for this work that you do. Thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you. Bye. Thank you guys so much for listening to today's episode. If you enjoyed this podcast, please rate and review it. Just give it five stars. Write a little nice comment. It would touch my heart and really help everybody else find the podcast. And definitely connect with Raina, Raina Bambao on Instagram, her website, Raina Bambao. And I hope you guys enjoyed it. I'm sure you did because it was awesome, if I say so myself. Um, and I hope you guys are having a great Leo season. I hope that you're enjoying now that Mercury Retrograde is done. Yes. So I'm sending you guys a lot of love. Thanks again for listening. And I will see you next time. Bye.